Welcome back to the JoJo here on the Dion Family Network, episode 26. We've got week 9 of the NFL season. We've got little Masters this week. Not really biggest golf guy, but I'll always jump in for the majors. Then we've got MLB Free Agency, which I didn't even know was open, but clearly it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we've got the NBA announce their season start, and we've also got draft and free agency before we get there but let's start in the nfl obviously we had that thursday night game green bay took down san francisco but let's get in let's get into the rest of the games first up denver they travel to atlanta they lose to the falcons 34 27 the falcons almost blew it they really it it was a lot it almost felt closer than this the falcons now <clears throat> Since firing Dan Quinn, have a winning record, which I don't know. At least to me, that's that's pretty impressive. Obviously, Matt Ryan's going to put up numbers. Todd Gurley got a touchdown. The story of this game has to be. And I have to make sure I get his name right. Olamid Zacchaeus, if I'm not mistaken, I, uh, he had four receptions, 103 yards, and a touchdown. That's and the Falcons were missing Calvin Ridley. They really haven't had the receiving core together all year. And after we go through the games, I kind of want to look at the playoff standings. But this Falcons team could get frisky. I'm not going to go as far to say that they're a playoff team. But they could make it an interesting race at least. For Denver, they had the big win last week. This was bound to be a letdown. I just couldn't believe in the Falcons. And like always, the Falcons let people down. Next up, an absolute shootout. The Bills take down the Seahawks, 44-34. It didn't really feel that close. Russell Wilson did not have his best game by any stretch of the imagination. Josh Allen outplayed him in the first half. I mean, Wilson still finished with 390 yards, two touchdowns, but also two interceptions, and lost, I think, two fumble, or maybe just one fumble. Josh Allen, 415 yards passing, three touchdowns. I think he had two I think he had all three touchdowns in the first half. That's it's kind of crazy to think that I mean, I think a shootout is what we should have expected. That's two pretty lethal offenses and the Bills should be getting their due now after a big win like that. They're going to Arizona this week. It's another another test against good offense. Stefan Diggs and TK Metcalf with an absolute dual digs. Nine receptions, 118 yards. Metcalf, seven receptions, 108 yards and a touchdown. That's that's two of the best wide receivers going at it. And, I mean, the Seahawks did kind of keep it close late, but a 10-point game I don't think does it justice, especially the way the Bills just dominated the first half. It didn't really feel like it was going to be close. I know we always talk about Russell Wilson. I know... Russell Wilson's my MVP, and he still is, but it's also not panic time if it's Seattle. You have time to get this defense to where you want it to be. So I think this is more of an achievement for Buffalo than it is being down on Seattle. Next up, another game that felt that did not feel as close as the final score. The Titans take down the Bears 24-17. I think I tried to pick this as one of my upsets. Nick Foles, I, I don't know why I believe, believed in this Bears team. It's 
it, it's just bad. And it's really their quarterback away. And it's kind of too bad that Trubisky does have the shoulder injury and that we can't see him back out there because at least he can make plays with his legs. Nick Foles just kind of stands in the pocket. And he run, he can run, but it's never pretty. For the Titans, it wasn't a big Derek. It wasn't a big offensive game overall. Tannehill, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Pretty good. AJ Brown, four receptions, 101 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, a lot more impressive. But even Derrick Henry, 21 carries for 68 yards. The Bears' defense is legit, but their quarterback play isn't going to bring them anywhere. For the Titans again, Thursday night, they're in. in I think they're in Indianapolis. Playing the Colts anyways, it's it's for the division crown at this rate. Next up, a team I'm done believing in, the Detroit Lions. I picked them again. The Vikings beat the Lions 34-20. Again, didn't feel that close. Matt Stafford left the game with a concussion or <clears throat> in concussion protocol. Another Dalvin Cook game where he just tears up a defense. I think he has seven touchdowns over the last two games. 22 carries, 206 yards, and two touchdowns. Kirk Cousins wasn't... like Neither Cousins or Stafford are impressive, which is why the Vikings are fun, but they're not... They're not going anywhere. Which is too bad, but... I mean, it's even... Even there's their division, these two teams... I mean, I think the Packers are the clear number one team in that division. But the other three, you could kind of convince me. Maybe the Lions are the worst team. But between the Vikings and Bears, it's, to me, a pretty tight race. Next up, Battle of... I'm going to call it the Battle of Baltimore. The Ravens take down the Colts 24-10. The Colts leading, in, leading at half. It was... A game that kind of looked like it was in the hands of the Colts. I know win probability probably doesn't say that, but they trade first quarter touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor and Chuck Clark with the fumble return, which was absolutely hilarious to watch Philip Rivers try to run backwards, trip over himself, and then just try to reach at Chuck Clark as he hurdles over him. It was pretty embarrassing. I don't know if Philip Rivers... I mean, he, he... the Colts and the Bears played this year, and they're both teams where you just give them a better quarterback. And the Colts could still make the playoffs. I don't think that's that's a doubt. They're five and three, but Philip Rivers is holding this team back. This defense is really good. They have a plethora of running backs because you think Marlon Max out for the year, but they still have Naheem Hines, who had two touchdowns last week. They have Jonathan Taylor, who, besides a little ball security, he, he looks like a legit running back. They kind of have the pieces and neither of them led them in rushing I mean obviously it wasn't much but Jordan Wilkins had 11 carries for 39 yards this Colts team does have a chance but it just it needs better quarterback play and obviously at this rate you can't I mean I think Jacoby Brissett could do it but they paid Philip Rivers too much money they're probably not going to bring him back next year and hopefully they can carry over this defense to next year for the Ravens, again, it was definitely a concern. I don't think... I know they're sitting at 6-2. and two. They're actually 4-0 on the road, which 
is pretty impressive, but if you're a Ravens fan or a Ravens back or whatever and you bet on them, there's not really a way you could feel confident in this team. I mean, obviously, Lamar, 19 for 23, 170 yards. He ran for another 58 yards and a touchdown. This team is a run-heavy team, and I think there's obviously a chance that this really could... My laptop is going ham right now. What the hell? Um, but yeah, for the Ravens, it's always just going to come down to big games. In the first half, they didn't look good. I think they only had like a total, like total around two hundred yards, maybe closer to three hundred yards for the whole game. But I don't know how you can watch this Ravens team and be impressed. Their defense is good, and they still have time to grow and build together. But I think come a big game, obviously. They haven't been without Mark Ingram for a few weeks. The running backs are really good. But once you face those other teams, especially because once we once we get through the games, I'll do playoff standings and my power rankings for this week. They're a top 10 team easily, but depends where you put them. Put them up against any team that's above them. Are you confident in them winning? I just, I don't see it. I mean, good for the Ravens, 6-2. and two. They're probably going to get caught playing the worst division winner, which is an advantage for them. But I just, I can't, I can't fully put my trust in them right now. And I know they're all about big trust, but I I just don't have it right now. They can prove me wrong. And their big turning point is going to be Thanksgiving night against the Steelers. They can walk in and steal that game. Probably not flipping the division. At least you split the season series and you show yourself, okay, this is a prime time game against a team that could still be undefeated by the time you face them. And it's more impressive. All right, next up. Definitely. I mean, it's always an argument for like game of the day. I would say it's between this one and another one we'll get to, but the Kansas City Chiefs survive. And survive is the right word, the Carolina Panthers. That's why the top of this this week for power rankings, it's interesting to to see where everyone's head's going to be in terms of these teams at the top didn't really blow anybody out, and some of them even lost. So for the Chiefs, obviously, this is the Patrick Mahomes show, 372 yards, four touchdowns. He has nine touchdowns over the last two weeks, or nine... Yeah, I think he threw for five against the Jets, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Full credit to the Chiefs or to the Panthers, though. Teddy Bridgewater, three hundred and ten yards, two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey comes back, eighteen carries and sixty-nine yards with a touchdown. Curtis Samuel, nine receptions, one hundred and five yards and a touchdown. Curtis Samuel lines up in the backfield. He's a running back. I know the Bears do it with Cordero Patterson, and why not? But a guy that's can run like a running back in the backfield. Just give them carries. Who cares? It's all-purpose yards. That's Obviously, you're going to have the rushing leader or the receiving leader, but to me, the more impressive thing is all-purpose yards, which is uh, all-purpose yards, uh, yards from scrimmage, whatever. There's different... Actually, there are different like words for it, but Christian McCaffrey also caught a touchdown. It's... This team, this Panthers team is really fun, and it sucks because it's the Panthers to me and the Chargers are probably the two most fun teams that we're not going to be able to see in the playoffs because they just lose these close games. 
and they already played each other, and the Panthers escaped with that one. I mean, for the Chiefs, you're the defending champs. Barely ran the ball. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, five carries, 14 yards. Travis Kelsey, 10 receptions, 159 yards. That's obviously George Kittle's out, so he gets to hold the mantle as the best tight end. But I think best just pure receiving tight end, sure, that I would give that to Kelsey. I think Kittle is a better overall tight end. But this Chiefs team is ridiculous. The fact that they're 8-1 and one kind of seems dumb, but... They're getting ready for their playoff run. They're getting ready to defend their title, and they've kind of been proving it, although I think they were favored by, I caught it at 10.5, and, and I just thought, no. I I love good teams. I also love that good teams don't care about covering. The Chiefs don't care if they win by 11 points. They just want to win the game, and there are a lot of teams like that, so I had the Panthers, luckily. Next up, battle in the basement for in the NFC East. The Giants take down Washington 23-20. Alex Smith played for Washington and he kind of almost brought them back. I mean, he did blow it for them by throwing two interceptions in the final like three or four minutes. Three interceptions on the day. Daniel Jones 212 yards passing and a touchdown. Alex Smith threw for 325 yards. I know Kyle Allen and Apparently, he's having season-ending surgery on his ankle. It did not look good. It looked something similar to a college game that my dad forced me to watch an injury in which a guy caught a touchdown. I think it was for Georgia. And the and the defender kind of lands on his leg. And that's why we had to watch it so many times because they were reviewing it to make sure it was actually a touchdown. And we kind of were watching it to see what happened. And a guy like... Obviously, a guy landing on you and you're trying to... It's just kind of like an immovable object against uh, whatever that saying is. The unstoppable force and an immovable object. And I mean, in that situation, the player isn't just going to get off of your leg. It's going to be your leg that gives out first, unfortunately. Other than that, for Washington, I mean... Antonio Gibson still looks pretty impressive for a guy that wasn't a running back even in college. Terry McLaurin... Seven receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown. For the Giants, I really like Wayne Gallman. He was a running back at Clemson. I remember seeing him there. 14 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously not ridiculous numbers, but I think it's important to have multiple running backs on your roster. I know you have Saquon, Bar- Saquon Barkley, but the thing about that and this thing about McCaffrey, too, is that they like the Panthers have Mike Davis, who's a pretty good running back in himself. What's stopping you from even, I would bring up the Saints, Alvin Kamara could be a wide receiver if they've really wanted him to be. Why not have both your running backs out there? Either both of them can line up in the backfield or have one of them line up as a wide receiver. It's not like they're going to like contest the position. It's you can, be a, you can be a slot wide receiver. I feel like the Saints do it a lot more with Kamara, but why, why not? Why not have Gallman and Barkley out there at the same time? That just... For both of these teams, though, they're in the basement. They both have two wins. Both of the New York Giants wins this year have come against Washington, so that's kind of what you can think of that. Both of these teams are going for a high pick, and I think for the Giants, it. I know you're going to trust Daniel Jones, but just bring in some competition for him. Make him beat someone 
instead of just kind of getting spoon-fed the starter job. Next up, Houston. They take down Jacksonville, 27-25. Definitely, I think, a lot better game than most people would have expected. I, the Jaguars were like six-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. I don't care who the quarterback was. I just don't trust the Texans to blow a team out like that. Deshaun Watson, 281 yards passing and two touchdowns. Also ran for another 50 yards. He just... He is very, I don't want to even say lucky, but he must be thrilled that Will Fuller did not get traded to the Packers at the trade deadline, which was a big rumor. The trade deadline went went and passed pretty quietly. Fuller, though, five receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown. That's pretty impressive, but I think more than that, both of these teams, again, like New York and Washington, they're not going anywhere. They're not doing anything. For Jacksonville, they're 1-7. and seven. They won that first game against the Colts and haven't won since. Jake Luton, who was the starter, I had to look up his name before. He played really well. 304 yards passing a touchdown and interception. He's a young, like he's a rookie. It kind of makes sense. But he brought them on the on a drive at the end of the game to tie the game. And obviously they missed the, the two-point conversion to tie the game and send it to overtime. But he brought them there. He ran in the touchdown. I think... You have to see what you got. Obviously, Gardner Minshew, you don't know when he's coming back. Until then, you might have a quarterback. I'm not that confident, but especially with guys you can get at the top of the draft this year, even Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. There's quarterbacks out there, and there's quarterbacks every year that are going to be more impressive than Luton or even Gardner Minshew. But yeah, neither of these teams are really in any sort of type of race. Next up, another just another heartbreaker, the Vegas Raiders. They take down the Chargers, 31-26. Man, these four, the Chargers are what? They're 2-6. and six. They could be 6-2. and two. How close every game is. And this one came down to the last second, obviously. Derek Carr, 165 yards, two touchdowns. Justin Herbert's been so impressive. 326 yards, two touchdowns. They get the drive at the end of the game. The Chargers are about to do what the Broncos did to them last week, a last-second drive and score right at the buzzer. They get the, they get the touchdown. It gets reviewed. There's some ball movement, obviously. We still can't fully know what it catches. The Chargers lose again. Another fourth quarter. I don't, not even a collapse. They were kind of dead. They were down back and forth game. But obviously just look forward to next year if you're the Chargers because this year they could go undefeated the rest of the way and they probably still wouldn't make the playoffs which is unfortunate but actually no if they went undefeated and went 10 and 6 they're probably making the playoffs but it just doesn't feel realistic I mean the Raiders are a playoff team which again we'll get to but definitely a shocker next up Probably the biggest surprise of the week, the Pittsburgh Steelers take down the Dallas Cowboys, which is not a surprise. The surprise being the final score, 24-19. Garrett Gilbert started for the Cowboys. It was kind of a rumor of who who would be. They went with Gilbert, 243 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Big Ben had a good game, I guess you'd call it, 306 yards, three touchdowns. Not that that's not an impressive number, but... 
looks like he got hurt again. He might be on the COVID list. So you don't know if he tests positive, if he was in close contact with someone who tests positive. It's such a a weird year. But the Cowboys, they dominated the first half. They were up 13-9 going into halftime, and that was because, I was about to say Sean Swisham. That, that was the old Steelers kicker. kicker. Um, who's the kicker now? Chris Boswell hit hit a 59-yarder right at uh, halftime. So for the Steelers, I think this is definitely a concern. You let this team if – this, if this is a game with Dak Prescott – it's a lot different. You squeezed out a win, and you're happy to have it. You're 8-0 and could barely beat a team that doesn't have their starting quarterback that has one of, if not the worst defense in the league and barely walk out with a win. The best part of this game had to be Juju Smith-Schuster doing the Terrell Owens uh, celebrate like tried to do the star celebration but the Cowboys defense were blocking him from getting the star so he kind of just did it like the 40 yard line or something but yeah I mean the Cowboys there's not really much to talk about them it's what drive what are they going to do in the draft for the Steelers it's this is a big concern I know they're 8-0 and they played the Bengals this week Knowing that they're undefeated almost makes it more sweet that the Bengals could upset them. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Next up, besides that Chiefs uh, Panthers game, probably the game of the day. Miami, they take down the Arizona Cardinals. The Dolphins have a four game winning streak, I'm pretty sure. 34 33, or 34 31, an absolute duel between two good. Tua Tagovailoa, 248 yards, two touchdowns. Definitely saw a lot more out of him this week than last week against the Rams. Kyler Murray right there with him, 283 yards and three touchdowns. Also, Kyler with 11 carries, 108 yards and a touchdown. It's shocking that the Cardinals lost this game, but they're only 5-3. and three. That's that's a playoff team. That's a Their defense is a little shaky, but I think this was more of just Tua versus Kyler. I forgot that they were Heisman finalists and first game in the pros against each other. We're probably not going to see this matchup for another four years unless we see it in a Super Bowl, but that was really fun. They were just, they were so good and dynamic. And that's what's fun about these young quarterbacks is how good they really are. And I mean, Kyler's weapons, who's, who's the leading receiver for the Cardinals this day? Give one or three, two. It was Christian Kirk. Not Larry Fitzgerald, not DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk with five receptions, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Christian Kirk is their deep threat, which is amazing because Hopkins and Larry Fitz just get to not not catch short, but just intermediate. They don't have to worry about the deep ball because Kyler and Christian Kirk played together in college, and they kind of already had this rapport before they even started playing together. Next up, Sunday night. An absolute snooze fest. The Saints absolutely obliterate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 38-3. This was such a hard one because I think I picked the Bucs to win, but the Saints to cover just because I thought it would be a close game. Drew Brees, 222 yards, four touchdowns. Not hum-ho, but it was kind of just all in the first half. Taysom Hill, seven carries, 54 yards. 
that's hilarious. Michael Thomas came back, five receptions, 51 yards. Again, the Saints team looks legit, but just, I don't know. I can I can trust them until December, until January. They have to get the one seed. If they do, that's their, really their path to get to the Super Bowl is if they have the one seed, obviously you get to buy and you get to play inside at home for the playoffs until the Super Bowl, which is going to be in Tampa Bay. That's the Saints' path. For Tampa, this was just, they couldn't do anything right. Antonio Brown's debut, I think he had two catches. The fact that the Bucks even put up points was impressive. Brady, three interceptions. Now Drew Brees retakes, retakes the lead. I know I said that I wanted them to go back and forth, but Brees now holds the lead by, I think, two touchdowns. Again, they could go back and forth, especially if they're not playing at the same time, like the same window let's just decide let's just see at the end of the year who has the most touchdowns because i don't know this could be the last year for both of them finally monday night the patriots they survived the jets 30 to 27 it's it's shocking that the jets were even in this game because joe flacco Threw for 262 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Cam, 274 yards. Jacoby Myers, 12 receptions, 169 yards. This is very impressive. Cam Newton, which the Patriots, Cam Newton's touchdown run in the first quarter was the first time they've scored in the first quarter this year. That was absolutely shocking to me. The Jets kind of took over in the second quarter, third quarter, sharing touchdowns and then in the fourth quarter the Patriots go field goal touchdown Cam Newton run and another field goal by Nick Folk to steal the game to really steal the game the Jets score a touchdown in the second half and the Patriots do the majority of their scoring either of these teams it's kind of sucks that we didn't have the best not that we didn't have the best games this week but just not too much stakes this game kind of didn't feel it never really feels like much Patriots Jets it's usually just more of a blowout but let's check in on the on the playoff standings so obviously Pittsburgh 8-0 Kansas City 8-1 definitely a concern on both of their ends about what what's really going to happen once you have to play those better teams Buffalo's at 7-2 I think it's a surprising 7-2 but well deserved they Held off a comeback against the Rams. They beat the Seahawks. They beat Miami, which kind of sucks for Miami that you're already down a game. And I think they have to go to Buffalo. Tennessee at 6-2. Impressive. They were the COVID team. I think them not having Taylor Luan at left tackle is eventually going to catch up to them against some of these better defenses. But for now, they beat the Colts this week. They really kind of put I don't want to say I'm trying to think of the right word the Titans really will solidify their position in the division at least at least as a playoff team Baltimore 6-2 and two, an impressive win but again it's going to come down to can you beat one of those good teams because once we get through we can do what matchups would be right now we could really do that for the rest of the year but again baltimore right now they would have to play tennessee can you go into tennessee and beat them because you were the favorites last year and lost what are you going to do as the 
presumable underdog. Uh, six seed Raiders five and three, Miami five and three, Cleveland five and three, Indianapolis five and three. So it's four teams battling for two spots. The Raiders, their offense is really good. Their defense is a little suspect. They got their running game going a bit better. Miami is just the most fun team with Tua. Their defense is really good. Cleveland was on a bye this week. Uh, I just I don't trust them yet. I think the probably the most fun combination would be if Cleveland's the sixth seed and they go play Buffalo and then Miami plays Kansas City. If it just stayed where it was, mostly. Indy, again, Phillip Rivers, they're going to let you down. That's kind of it for the teams that are really close. Again, if we have a late surge from Denver and New England, maybe. Cincinnati, not really. And then you get to Chargers, 2-6. and six. I mean, the Bengals are 2-5, and five, so they're not really that. They just had a bye week. Chargers, 2-6. and six. Houston, 2-6. and six. Jacksonville, 1-7. and seven. And obviously, the Jets are 0-9. I think the 0-16 conversation is perfectly possible, but... I just I see them winning one. They're gonna they're gonna win one. It's gonna be somewhere. They'll probably go one and fifteen. They could go on sixteen. I mean, it's perfectly possible. But I think, especially once you get to the end of the year and teams are kind of out of it, they could steal a game. In the NFC, New Orleans, Seattle, both at six and two. Um, the Saints look impressive. Both sides of the ball are pretty balanced. Seattle does not have a defense. That's definitely a concern against some of these better teams. Green Bay also at 6-2. and two, Impressive win. Can they sustain these wins? Because that's what it's going to take for people to trust them. I think Aaron, I'm going to trust it. I trust Aaron Rodgers. It's the team around him that sometimes their run defense is not really good, which I wasn't expecting. Philly's the four seed, 3-4-1. They were on a bye week. It sucks that they're going to win the division. Tampa 6-3, and three. how do you bounce back from this bad loss? Again, once they lost to the Saints last time, it kind of started this run. Let's see, does this go back to their run that they had after the Saints loss, or does the Saints loss really derail their season? Arizona's a six seed. Them and the Rams are both 5-3. and three. The Rams were on a bye, I'm pretty sure. The Cardinals obviously had that close loss to Miami. Chicago, 5-4. and four. I think that kind of, like... Tampa Bay, Arizona, LA, Chicago. I think that's kind of the end point of, I don't want to say of playoff teams, but of potential playoff teams. Obviously, you've got San Francisco 4 and 5, Minnesota, Detroit 3 and 5, Atlanta 3 and 6, Chicago, or, uh, Carolina 3 and 6, and then uh, Washington 2 and 6, Dallas, and the New York Giants both 2 and 7. The bottom three teams in the NFC are all in the same division. And the team that's leading their division has one more win. That's that's rough. This is... I don't think this is as fun as... Unless, I think the most fun outcome is Atlanta just goes on a run now and we can see if they can make the playoffs. That's probably the most entertaining possibility obviously it's probably just going to end up being tampa bay arizona la because i because even if chicago ties with la they lost to them so the afc is definitely more i don't want to say more interesting but that's really what it is unfortunately 
Um, all right, power rankings for this week. Uh, they're going to be posted on Thursday, Thursday morning, just because on Wednesday here in Canada it is Remembrance Day, and I don't think it's time to really talk or think about football. It's about remembering those who have sacrificed their lives for us. Uh, but I can just I can kind of rattle it off now. I'm going to go bottom for the top and. Um, again, they get their own category, and this category this week is called the Yup, they're 0 and 9, the New York Jets. Um, next group is the missing pieces that would make them good. I don't know what those pieces are, but it's Detroit, Washington, Jacksonville. They're just, they're missing something. Uh, the disappointments, Houston, it just sucks that they don't have DeAndre Hopkins, Dallas, no Dak, the Chargers, they just their whole fan base should be disappointed not because they're playing bad is because they're playing good then just losing these close games and denver i thought denver's offense would be a lot more legit uh the somewhere in between minnesota new england the giants i think the giants really they are in the, they're similar to the chargers they're in these close games where they just can't pull out wins san francisco just everyone's hurt and atlanta I think Atlanta could really go on a run now. And I know it's people are listening to all of these. They know I'm an Atlanta fan, but just their offense makes me believe it's possible in this year. Uh, the frisky teams, Vegas, Cleveland, Carolina, Chicago, Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati deserves to be in this group. Joe Burrow, especially now, getting a week off. And still, it's he's played eight NFL games, seven NFL games, whatever it is, that week off is more time to study. It's more time to get your body right. I think it's just, it's great for Cincinnati. Um, the playoff contenders, Seattle, I think they fall out of the Super Bowl contenders because of how bad their defense is. Tennessee, again, I just feel like one of those better teams, they could make the conference championship, but I just think one of those, they're going to run into one of Pittsburgh or Kansas City. I can't put Baltimore. Baltimore's in that same group, really. Uh, Arizona, again, talented offense. Can their defense step up? Buffalo, looking at it, I think that might be a little low. They really were impressive. The Rams, obviously, by week, but more impressive this year. Miami, I think, deserves to be in this because Tua makes them a contender, really a playoff contender. We're not talking Super Bowl yet. Uh, Indy, they still have a chance. They're technically tied for a wild card spot and if they win against Tennessee that really kind of changes things in the division and Philadelphia because they kind of have to be there they're going to win that division so they have to be a playoff contender finally Super Bowl contenders Kansas City won I think it's just because Pittsburgh really didn't look good Kansas City looked good and they were just kind of in a shootout Pittsburgh didn't look good I have New Orleans too they beat Tampa. They beat a team that was in the top five. You deserve you deserve to move up. Pittsburgh three. You can't drop them too far. It's a it's an off game really that they won. So that's still impressive. Green Bay at four. I trust Aaron Rodgers. I trust this team. Five is Baltimore again. I said Tennessee. Baltimore and Tennessee to me are in the same category because Kansas City and Pittsburgh have separated themselves, but. Still one of the better teams. And Tampa. Tampa still is a Super Bowl contender. If they really start to fall off, I'll start moving them down. But 
they lost a game to a really good team. So that's it for the NFL. We got Masters this week, which again, I'm not a big golf person, but any major, I'm kind of always interested in. It's easy on golf to catch up and just be like, oh, who's winning tournaments, who's in, who's contending in tournaments. I think listening to other people talk about it is easier than just looking at it yourself. I'm obviously no expert, but you can see how they did these groups. Um, so these are like the main bigger groups. So John Rahm, who's third third in odds, 11 to 1. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, who was a slight favorite, and Louis Oosthuizen, who is one. He's, I'm pretty sure he's won a Masters before. The second group, Patrick Reed, who again he's up there. He's twenty-eight to one. Paul Casey. Uh, I don't see Paul Casey's fifty-five to one. A bit more of a long shot. Tony Finau, twenty-five to one. Again, they're pairing these guys who you expect to be contenders uh obviously a group everyone's gonna want to pay attention to and care about tiger woods shane lowry and andy ogletree tiger is 35 to 1 he is the defending masters champion i just everything i've seen says he just unless he's saving everything for this tournament he just hasn't seemed to have it recently a group that is just I'm sorry, but it is not that. It's Phil Mickelson, Abraham Answer, and Burned Weisberger. Everyone's there for Phil. Um, I think a really underrated group here, Adam Scott, who not too high. I'm trying to find his odds. Wow, he's oh, 40 to 1. Okay. Adam Scott 40 to 1. Colin Morikawa, who is 30 to 1. And Terrell Hatton, who is 28 to 1. Again, all guys that are kind of in the same grouping. Um, another group, Justin Thomas, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Brooks Kepka. Justin Thomas, 12 to 1. Kepka, 16 to 1. Matthew Fitzpatrick, a little lower down, 60 to 1. Can't just stack all of these groups. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantlay, and Roy McIlroy. Again, Dustin Johnson's second. Roy McIlroy is fifth. You can't stack all of these groups together. I said all of this to say that I'm not a prediction person. I honestly, if just looking at these numbers, I would kind of like, obviously you can go with Tiger because maybe he's just showing up for a major 35 to 1. Colin Morikawa at 30 to 1 I think is really good odds. If you want to go with a guy maybe that needs to get off the schneid, you can go with like a Jordan Spieth, 40 to 1. Besides that, I mean, if you're looking at really, obviously Phil Mickelson, you could look at 80 to 1, Ricky Fowler, 66 to 1. Now you're getting into kind of crazy long shots, but I mean, what hurts of if you're Canadian and you say, oh, there's Adam Hadwin at 250 to 1 put a few dollars on that and you could really win big obviously it's not he has those odds because he's not expected to win but masters tournament's always fun you get jim nance oh i guess maybe not i didn't even think about that because jim nance might be doing a football game but maybe at least get jim nance up until sunday 
I don't know if they what they would rather him do because we obviously saw before what Fox did with Joe Buck of they took him off Game Seven of the National League Championship Series for a Sunday afternoon football game. Overall, though, even if you're not a golf fan, just for a few minutes turn on the Masters. It's just it's always because a lot of the other golf tournaments, the major tournaments, will kind of move around places. The Masters is always the same. It's always in Augusta, Georgia, and it's just. Obviously, in November, it's going to be different because it's usually like in April, March, April-ish, somewhere in there. It is just the most beautiful golf tournament you can imagine. And it'll always keep my attention. Um, All right, other than that, we got MLB free agency. I didn't know free agency started. I looked up the key key dates for the MLB offseason, and free agency started November 1st. And there are no, no signings, at least no big major players yet. Obviously, we had the awards. They started getting announced. They, I think there's only been one so far, and it was the Rookie of the Year. I didn't pick Devin Williams before the year. I said him on the pod before. On my predictions after, I kept with Luis Robert in the AL. Kyle Lewis won that, not surprising. Um, gold gloves. And then obviously from yesterday, November 9th to the 12th, they're going to be doing Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year. Manager of the Year is tonight. And then Cy Young and MVP. So it's kind of, it's fun. It's I think it's kind of better doing it like that. Because the NBA and the NHL have like a war, in the NFL they have award shows. It's not really that fun. It's three hours. It's something you could record, watch it the next day, and you kind of skip through anything that's really slow. I guess we can look at the top free agents. Obviously, two guys that I don't think a lot of people would have their eye on, but Ioannis Cespedes and Yasiel Puig. Cespedes played eight games with the Mets and then chose to set out the rest of the season. Yasiel Pui couldn't even find a team. He had a deal with the Braves, but that fell through because he tra- contracted coronavirus. Um, a lot of teams declined player options, which I found interesting. That's a pretty big chunk of this list. So Corey Kluber, John Lester, Jake Arrieta, Cole Hamels, uh, Robbie Ray, who ended up who resigned with the Jays, Jose Quintana, Chris Archer, who. He was a pretty big trade piece when he went from Tampa to Pittsburgh. Uh, besides that, Tommy LaStella, just kind of a good utility guy. Jake Odorizzi, a good starter. He took a qualifying offer last year for $17.8 million. Didn't go well. 6.59 ERA. Hard to tell, but you'd be buying low on a starter like him. Jock Peterson, never really found a permanent spot with the Dodgers obviously he wants to stay there and be in a rotation especially with a designated hitter if not why wouldn't you go to an AL team and just be a permanent DH obviously you can rotate in the outfield if they need you to but Jock Peterson is more of a bat at this point uh, Mike Miner he he was a trade that he was a he was traded at the deadline this year now a free agent he's just kind of a uh, rental for the A's and now he's just kind of a good depth arm uh, Kevin Gosman was with the Orioles I'm pretty sure was with the Giants last year again good depth arm 
An interesting one to me is Andrelton Simmons. He's a pretty reliable bat, one of the better sh- fielding shortstops. Definitely not in like the top 10 anymore, but still really good. I think for the Angels, it's smart to bring him back unless you're making a big move. And once we get through these free agents, I'll talk about who that b- big move could be. Nelson Cruz, again, just a permanent DH. He's 40 years old. Still a reliable bat. Charlie Morton had a great postseason. The Rays declined a $15 million option. Kind of fair for a team that likes to save money. They could always resign another starter, but a reliable arm for someone. Colton Wong, uh, he got declined an option as well. Again, he was just trying to save money. Apparently, the Angels are someone interested. I think any, adding any good depth veteran experience to a team like the Angels who are trying to make the playoffs is good. Um, out of Korea, it's Ha Sing. I feel bad for pronouncing this name wrong. Ha Sung Kim, a 25 year old shortstop, 30 home runs, 24 doubles, and 137 games. Always a good to just see if one of those guys could work. Taiwan Walker, who again, a good depth arm, pitch ball for the Jays after getting traded from the Mariners not you're not going to get you're not paying big money for him jackie bradley jr i think is interesting i can't imagine him staying in boston i don't think they've really appreciated him as much like as good as he is he's a great defender his batting isn't great but still a reliable outfielder uh liam Hendricks. i don't know how oakland doesn't bring him back but if they're dumb enough to let him go he should get big money james paxton after getting traded from Seattle, I don't even know if he played this year. Um, oh, he underwent back surgery earlier this year. Uh, buyer beware, he's a lefty, which I guess is different if you want to add that kind of arm. I can't imagine the Yankees bring him back. But someone I do imagine them bringing back is Masahiro Tanaka. If they're... He's not going to get big money from the Yankees. If someone else is willing to give it to him, then I think it would be smart for him to go. But he would be a depth arm, really, for the Yankees at this point because they're going to have Luis Severino is going to come back. Uh, Daivi Garcia, obviously Garrett Cole is your number one. Jordan Montgomery is pretty good. Uh, Domingo Orman, who was suspended for the majority of this year but didn't play. He'll be coming back, and it was impressive when he did pitch. Um, Justin Turner, third baseman, obviously with the Dodgers, World Series champion. But now, to me, I just have this just this sour taste in my mouth about him being the guy that broke COVID nineteen protocols to celebrate a World Series championship. I'm not mad at him for wanting to celebrate. I'm more. I'm not mad at him. I'm just more disappointed that you're just you could celebrate any time you could celebrate with those guys but just knowing you tested positive knowing you have it even if you don't have symptoms it's just irresponsible Michael Brantley which I really think this could be the demise of Houston if they let him go he's such a reliable bat and every time he's batting I just kind of feel like I know he's going to get a single or double uh, Didi Gregorius, 
doesn't really strike out that much. He took a one-year deal last year with the Phillies for $14 million. I don't really know if he goes back. I don't know if he fits in with that team. I could easily see him going back to the Yankees. If they give him the money and they don't want to bring DJ LeMahieu back, it's not a bad choice. Marcus Simeon, um, I would I would be kind of surprised if he left Oakland unless there's a big money for him somewhere else. I just think he makes sense for that team. It's such a good lineup, and I don't really want to see them break it apart. Marcus Stroman, I think, is might be the most fascinating free agent. I can't imagine him going back to the Mets. He's already trashed the White Sox for hiring Tony La Russa, even though he had a DUI in February. He's very outspoken. He's not going to be quiet. And I can't imagine a team like the Yankees. I think the best case scenario is if he went back to Toronto. They're a fun young team, and he's a reliable arm. He might not be the number one, but he's the second or third starter on that team. Marcelo Zuna, not the best defender anymore. He's a big bat, and any AL team would love to have him as a DH. Obviously, if we have the NL, getting the universe, if we're getting a universal DH after this year, because this year is also the is universal DH. But if we're getting it moving forward, then obviously it doesn't matter where he goes. DJ LeMahieu, a good reliable bat for the Yankees. I could really see them letting him go if they could get a shortstop. Any team would be lucky to have him. AL MVP finalist, I think there's a pretty good chance he could win. And and really, he got a two-year $24 million deal. $12 million per year for a guy that was in the MVP conversation for the last two years. George Springer, I was shocked that he was a free agent and that he's 31 years old. I thought he was a lot younger. I mean, if he leaves, you could kind of... That's why I said the demise of the Astros, if they let him go, if they let Brantley go. Obviously, George Springer was like a World Series hero and definitely meant a lot more to the franchise. But if he goes, I think that's pretty telling of where everyone's head is. If he leaves this team... There could be some tell. I mean, I think he was one of the guys that was a part of the cheating, but who really knows? Uh, Number two, Trevor Bauer. I'm surprised that he's two, a starter that you list any team. He's And he's honestly very, I don't want to say vocal, he's very public with his free agency that he said, oh, Toronto's a nice city. Oh, I'm going to visit Boston. Oh, New York would be interesting. He's just kind of leaving everything out on the table. I can't imagine going back to Cincinnati. I don't think they would really like his personality. I don't think New York would love him that much either, at least not to what he would want. I think a team like Toronto or Boston, Boston, which wouldn't make any sense because they let Mookie Betts go because they didn't have any money, or they quote-unquote didn't have money. I think any team would be lucky to have Trevor Bauer. And JT Realmuto. Um, I, I don't know why the Phillies would let him go. He is, to me, the best catcher in baseball. With, like, yes, Monty Grandal is in there, but he's going to get big money from somewhere. So that's it for MLB. Uh, again, NBA. So December 22nd is the start of the next season, 72-game season. Um... The NBA draft is just over a week from now. It's going to be November the 18th. And 
free agency. This is the interesting. So free agency is going to begin two days. The moratorium, meaning teams can uh, teams can negotiate but can't make deals official, even though they become official as soon as deals start coming because everyone's tampering and most people know where they want to go. Obviously, it'll be more depth free agents that'll take some time, but uh, the new new free agent signings can start November the twenty second at. 12.01 p.m. Uh, again, some pretty... I don't want to say... Obviously, because this is really... This year, it's Anthony Davis, who's going to go back to the Lakers. Brandon Ingram could get an offer sheet, but New Orleans, I assume, would match that. We got some free agents to Marta Rosen. That's a sign-and-trade possibility. Andre Drummond still doesn't know if he's taking his option or not. I think that's really, even him being public with it, he doesn't know if he wants a lot of money or if he wants a team where he can win. Uh, Mike Connolly, I can't, I'm I'm the jazz, I'm trying to get off that contract. I would even trade Mike Connolly to Boston for Gordon Hayward. I just think Hayward is someone you could use more. And I think Boston would love, love to get, not love to get rid of him, but he makes a lot of money and they're going to have to start paying Tatum and Jalen Brown soon. Uh, Evan Fournier, I don't know why he would leave Orlando, but he was just put up there. Again, this offseason is just a warm-up to 2021, where Giannis, who apparently is going to sign a Supermax, if he doesn't, we're going full Kevin Durant 2016. Yeah, like 2016, 27. No, 15, 16 when he went to the Warriors. Uh, so Giannis, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi, Victor Oladipo, Drew Holiday, LaMarcus Aldridge could all be free agents. It's hard to tell what's, what's really going to happen, but we've got these couple weeks. I'll probably do... I think I already did some draft stuff. I'm not really, not that I'm not interested. I'm be more interested in just reactions because doing a mock draft, looking at big boards or doing my own big board is just going to get immediately torn apart because there's going to be trades. There's going to be stuff going on and reaction. Obviously predictions are fun, but reacting to stuff like this is definitely better. And I think it'll be more interesting once it's, free agency because an episode will come out right before or during free agency uh so that's about it uh new episode friday friday or saturday just kind of depends where the where the news is going where I guess mass obviously we'll have Masters, we'll have Thursday Night Football, Indianapolis, Tennessee. Uh, you can find everything that we're doing here on Dion Family Network on the Instagram. Dion Family Network, you find our personal Instagrams there as well. Uh, you can find my blog. Um, Thursday morning, it'll be uh, power rank, NFL Power Rankings for this week. Thursday Preview, obviously predicting every NFL game doing doing okay this year uh, I think I'm one one game I think I'm like 67 and 66 against the spread and then straight up I'm 
like 20 or 30 games above, which it's easy to tell who's going to, not easy to, I don't want to say easy. It's easier to tell who's going to win than covering a spread. And uh, so, yeah, you can find that on my blog, jack dion 99blogspotcom Obviously, once, once we're getting sports news, there'll be more to talk about because right now it's really just NFL and grasping at straws for the other sports. And uh, besides that, we'll see you next time.